And next week, uh, also, we're going to be honoring three college graduates and six high school graduates. We want to recognize their achievements. They did it. They completed it. All that staying up late, doing the assignments, the projects, and the papers, and the dread of every student getting up in the morning. Well, you did it. It's going to happen. You're moving on. Some going on to college and some into the workforce. And, well, it's going to be a great time. So please be here next Sunday, June 12th, as we honor our graduates. Also, we're having VBS. And there's some cards like this announcing the event. They're in the foyer in, on, on the visitor center. There's a stack of them. Take, take a few. Take a stack. Give them out to anybody you know that has children so they could come. The information is there, but I'll give it to you. It's for students of ages 3 to 11, and we're going to do basketball and cheerleading. And it begins on June 26th to the 29th, and it begins at 7 p.m., and it goes to 8.30. It's here at the church. And if you want more information, go to our website at BethelDurham.com slash camp. God bless you. Um, I'm here to introduce um, Alicia Hart as our guest speaker today. And to do that, I'm going to share with you a life lesson that I learned, and hopefully you'll learn also. In July of 2019, at the International Conference in Greenville, South Carolina, I was introduced to Alicia Hart. She was our guest speaker, and during the week of that conference, Neil had uh, had the opportunity to have his room alone for the first time since he had had the aneurysm in 2015. So he had his own room, and he just thought he was tough stuff. <laughs> anyway, every night during the praise and worship, Neil would look at me and say, I'm going to walk tonight. And I said, walk, son, walk. Every night he'd lay his cane up on the pew and he'd look at me and he would try so hard to let go and to walk without assistance. And the night after night passed, three nights, he was not able to walk without assistance. Then Alicia came forward to give the message that night and for some crazy reason, this mother was very distracted that night. I don't know what was wrong with me. I heard the word preached, but nothing really penetrated deep into my heart. I, I was just distracted for some crazy reason. But that was not true of Neil. Neil heard the sermon and that sermon penetrated his spirit deep, deep within. And in August of 2019, a month later, I came home from church on Wednesday night, and Neil was standing in the middle of the living room floor with no assistance, no cane, nothing around him to hold on to, and he was standing there. And I walked in the room, and I said, Neil, what happened? He said, Mom, you remember? And I said, because, you know, he has aphasia, so it took us a while to come together with what was happening. But the essence of it was, he remembered the sermon that night, and the sermon was, keep walking. That sermon penetrated Neil's spirit, and a month later, Neil heard that, that spirit man rose up, and he was completely healed of having to have assistance to walk. Now, 
Mr. Neal walks up to 40,000 steps a day with no assistance and pushing nine carts. Pushing nine grocery carts up a hill. You sh I, I, when I go see him, I think, how's he doing that? But he's pushing them up a hill, and he's so happy. He's working now and walking just like he, that message penetrated his spirit. So the lesson here is you can sit in the service today. You can enjoy the praise and worship. It can penetrate you or it may not. You can hear the sermon today and it may penetrate you or not, but let me encourage you not to be distracted by anything. I don't know what was wrong with me, but I was distracted that night. But Mr. Neal got his miracle. And you know what? There's people sitting in this room this morning that needs a miracle in their life. And I believe that we have the speaker today that if you will hear the word, it's the word of God that penetrates. It's not Alicia Hart. It is the word of God that penetrates the hearts of mankind. So I want you to receive the word today as it comes forth, as our prophetess Alicia Hart comes forth. Amen. Amen. Every time I see Neil, he says, walk, 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 walk. That's always our, our greeting. And I said, you keep walking, Neil. Walk, 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 walk. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It is absolutely wonderful and an honor to be back with you. It's a privilege. Thank you so much to Pastor uh, Don and Pastor Carol for having me. Um, can I say I, I feel at home on my second visit? So I feel at home and I'm so thankful and grateful um, to have been invited back to Bethel Christian Church. Amen. How awesome is this place? It is none other. Come on, help me somebody. It is none other than the house of God and the gate of heaven. Amen. Amen. And I believe today that uh, God is going to do something supernatural in this gateway. Anybody believe that with me? I believe the spirit of the living God wants to invade territories in this place. I believe that he wants to make crooked places straight because that's the kind of God he is. I believe he wants to dot I's and cross T's and, and, and give you the desires of your heart that line up with his word. Does anybody believe with me today? Does anybody believe the spirit of the living God is in this place and where he is there's liberty and there's freedom? Amen. And so I'm so excited to be with you. God gave me a little bitty word, um, and I pray that it transforms your life. Amen. Because we can hear a word, and that word can roll off our shoulders, just like Pastor Carol said, and we can hear a word, and transformation happens. And Neil says, I testify of that transformation. And we will know him through the word of our what? 
testimony, right? That's what the word tells us. So, Spirit of the living God, do what you've purposed before the very foundations of this earth. Father, come and be present. Father, manifest your glory in this place. We thank you for miracles, signs, and wonders to overtake us in this place. We thank you that you are faithful and just to meet us right where we are. That you are faithful and just to speak a right now word, a rhema word, a kairos word that will penetrate the ears of the hearer and the heart of the listener. So we thank you right now ahead of time. We rejoice for what you're going to do in this place. And we say, God, shake the foundations of this building. Don't let any of us leave here the same way. We hear that over and over again. But today, somebody say, I purpose. I purpose to be a listener, to hear the voice of God in this place today. Now, Father, I die to me so that you might increase in me. Let every word that is spoken be from the throne room of the living God. Have your way in this place through me and let everything that you desire to be spoken be said. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Somebody tap your neighbor and say, it's on. It's on. Amen and amen. So I was recently um, at a place to get a massage because massages are of the Lord. Can I get a witness? Okay, hallelujah. And, you know, I'm going to take it a step further. An hour and a half massage is from the King of Kings. Okay, I've got so many witnesses. I'm in the right place this morning. And so I went to get this massage, and uh, as I got there, I was very excited, you know, because massages make you excited about, you know, what's going to happen. And um, so I was put in this waiting room, and I was waiting for the lady that was going to come and get me, and, and Glory was going to fill this temple during that next 90 minutes. Hallelujah. And so, um, all of the other people in the waiting room, the, the, the person that was coming to get them had come and, and got them and, you know, one by one, I think there was like four of them, you know, they all filed out and, you know, I, I sat there with great expectation, uh, waiting for my lady. And I began to look at, at the clock and I was like, well, goodness, you know, it, it's, it's five after, it's six after. And we all know, you know, with massages, you, they always finish like, you know, 10 minutes early. So even though you're paying for an hour and a half, come on, somebody. <laughs> you're really not getting an hour and a half, right? So as the clock continued to tick, I thought, well, I'm kind of getting into my hour and a half time right now. And um, probably about eight, eight minutes after, the, this young lady comes and she says, hello, um, I'll be right back to get you. I'm like, you'll be right back. And I said, okay. Okay, I'll be right here. <laughs> and so she goes, and about a minute or so later, she wasn't long, she came and she got me. And, and um, we walked to the room, we got in the room, and she says, okay. And, you know, we dialogued, and she says, I'll be right back. And she was gone for about five more minutes. Now, at this point, 
I mean, I'm Holy Ghost filled. But I began to get a righteous indignation that began to well up in my spirit, girl. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm going to just call this an hour. I'm going to, when she comes back, I'm going to say, let's just, you know, do an hour because I don't want to pay for an hour and a half when it's like quarter after right now. And if you take those 10 minutes, you know, you guys know what I'm saying. And so she comes back, and as she walks in the door, I, I, I said to her, very, very polite, I said, um, would it be okay if we just turn this hour and a half into an hour uh, massage, um, just for time's sake? And she said, oh, oh, oh my goodness, um, um, I'm so sorry, I I'm really, really sorry, um, I will give you your full time. Um, I just, I've really had a really, really bad day. It's been a really bad, and she's just kind of stuttering and tripping over her words. And in that moment, I went from being super irritated to super compassionate. Super compassionate. In that moment, I knew why I was there to get a massage. Come on, somebody. I knew that massage had nothing to do with me feeling good. And all of a sudden, I had so much compassion for this young lady. And she said, I will make it all right. I'm very, very sorry. And I said, okay. And as she began to, to massage, the Lord said, I'm going to have you pray for her when she's done. And I said, absolutely. So even though I thought I was coming for one thing, the Lord already knew the reason I was there. See, the Lord had already orchestrated something. This was not even the place that I typically went to. Come on. I was already kind of irked that I was having to go all the way across the city to go to this place when really there was one that was right, you know, close to my house. And, and now I knew that the Lord already knew and had strategically orchestrated something that really had nothing to do with me. I was simply an ambassador. I was simply someone that God was using in the earth to fulfill something that he needed to take place. Because he already knows. Tell your neighbor, he already knows. He already knows. My husband sends his love all the way from Omaha and our twins. Uh, they will be 15 at uh, the end of August, please pray for this 50-year-old mom trying to raise 15-year-olds. Hallelujah. That requires wisdom that I'm still seeking from the King of King and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. And so, as we, we think about this dynamic... And the fact that no matter what we do and where we are and where we're going and what position and what posture we have in life, there is one that already knows what's going to happen even before we step in to that moment. 
Amen. And from this, I want to preach from a very familiar passage of Scripture. And you know, it's really interesting when we use familiar passages of Scripture, oftentimes we go, yeah, yeah, I know that story. Thank you, though. And, and we get really acquainted with the Scripture. And, and sometimes we can miss what God wants to say in this season, in this moment of our lives through something we've heard time and time again. Am I in the right house this morning? Amen. And so I, I want to preach, and I know that God is going to illuminate this and transform lives through this passage of Scripture. It's in the book of John, and of course, we, we all are very familiar with the John. Uh, he talks and gives us three miracles, or eight miracles, rather, throughout his book. And the difference between John and Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic, gospel uh, books is that John begins his book with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He doesn't try to prove who Jesus was. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke go really heavy into, okay, there's Jesus, and let me prove to you. Matthew starts off with the genealogy. Mark starts off with uh, John the Baptist baptized him. And Luke starts off with Elizabeth and Elizabeth being pregnant. And then John says, you know what, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. I don't need to give you all of that. He is that he is. Amen. And so we're going to uh, turn to John 2 and just party a little bit there in Jesus' name. Does that sound okay this morning? Amen. So let's turn to John 2, and we're going to start out in verse 1. Amen. Say amen when you're there. You cheated. You cheated. You guys, all of you cheated. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Let's just go through and piece together what happened at this wedding. Is that okay if we just kind of take it scripture by scripture, verse by verse, and just walk through this and allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate some things? So this was a wedding in Cana. Cana was a very small, rural town, uh, very poor, kind of off the beaten track. Not a lot of people went there. It wasn't, you know, a big mecca of any sorts. And we know that Jesus, his mom, and his disciples were invited to this wedding. We also know that this was probably a relative, maybe a cousin of Jesus, um, who was getting married at this wedding. So it was a family uh, wedding of sorts. Amen? And verse 3 says, and when they ran out of wine, stop right there. So when the wine was gone, that, my friends, is honestly when the miracle started. And when they ran out 
of wine. When they ran out of what they had brought, when they ran out of what they had planned for, when they ran out of everything that in their natural mind and within their wherewithal that they had tried to establish, that's when the miracle really began. So let's talk about what a wedding looked like back then. Typically, they were about seven days, right? Seven days long. They were uh, serving wine throughout that entire time and food and everything. So family would come through, you know, throughout that seven days. Um, How many parents that have daughters are so glad that this is not a seven-day thing anymore? (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you that somewhere along the line, this party got way shorter, and the bride and groom said, hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) I'm talking to adults in here. And so... This was a seven-day event. This was the third day. Okay, so we've made it to the third day when Jesus, his mother, and his disciples have arrived at this party. And then the wine runs out. Now, to us in 2022, that probably wouldn't be that big of a deal. If you went to a wedding and and they were serving wine at that wedding, it's probably not that big of a deal. In fact, Some of us have cousins who really needed the wine to run out. I mean, not us, but our cousins. We've all got cousins. Like, the wine needed to run out long before. (laughs) And so, it's probably not that big of a deal if the wine runs out. But that was not the case back in this time. It was the epitome of dishonor to have the wine run out during this seven-day festivity. And here's the thing. It was the groom's responsibility to be uh, the, the one providing the wine. Again, where did that change? Where did that change? It went from seven days to a day, and it went from the groom providing to the, uh, ma- the bride's parents providing. And it was such a big deal back then that the bride's mother or the mother-in-law could sue the groom if the wine ran out. Isn't that bizarre? So can you imagine you just got married and there's a knock at the door and it's the police. Yes, your mother-in-law is suing you for the wine that ran out on the third day of the... (laughs) That's a whole other way to start your wedding, but it was a very serious thing. And so the wine has run out, and and, and, and they didn't want or need the wine to run out. I'm wondering this morning what you're running out of. What are you running out of? Patience. Come on, somebody. Are you running out of strategy? Are you running out of energy? Are you running out of wherewithal to to, uh, properly do the things that you need to do on your job? Are you running out of ideas uh, with respect to fixing that friendship that seems to always go south? What are you running out of this morning? The worst thing is to run out of gas, especially when it's $20 a gallon. (laughs) Yes. Or how about when people expect something out of you and you are simply running out of counsel for her because she's always coming to you for counsel. 
Or how about you're the person that's always expected to be the life of the party and you just don't have it anymore? What are you running out of? Maybe you're not running out of wine, hallelujah, but you're running out of joy. Mm. You're running out of peace. What is it that you're running out of this morning? And Jesus has come to this wedding as a guest. But he's about to provide what the host could not. Come on. Hallelujah. And verse 3 and says, And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Mary comes running to Jesus. See, she didn't go to the wedding planner. She didn't go to the bride and groom. She didn't go to her cousins or her relatives at the party. No, uh, she didn't know what to do, but she knew who to go to. She didn't have the answers, but she knew one that did. And you this morning may not know what to do. But you need to know who to go to. You need to know who to run to and who to go to. Many of you are running out and then running to people who don't have what you need. Yeah, they don't, they don't have what you need. Somebody needs to go to the man from Galilee, the way, the truth, the light, the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Tiskanu, Jehovah Rapha, the one true living God, the author and the finisher of our faith, the one that knows all things, that makes crooked places straight. Somebody needs to go to that one and not your friend, Betty. Now, Betty, if you're here. <laughs> Forgive me, Betty. The way, the truth, the life, the, the, the answer for everything. And she says, there's a problem. There is a problem. We should be celebrating. But we have run out of wine. We've run out of wine. And his mom is telling him something that he already knows. He already knows. This is not news to the one that knows all things. This is not news to the author and the finisher. See, if you're the author, you pinned it, you wrote it, you were there before it happens. If you are the finisher, you are the conclusion. This is not news to him. Proof in John 6, when he took a boy's value meal from Chick-fil-A and turned it into a buffet of sorts. And all you can eat buffet. And then he asks Philip, he says, what are we going to do about this? And Philip, who must have been an accountant, was like, two plus two is one. Carry the four, six, seven, eight. Yep, nope, Jesus, this, we're not going to be able to feed everybody. It's, not, it's pretty much not going to work. It's, it's pretty much not going to work. But the Bible says in John 6, 6, he asked this only to test him. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. He already knew. He already 
knew. See, he didn't even have to dialogue with Philip. He didn't have to pose the question, what are we going to do? Because he all... Let this start tweaking in your heart. He already knows. Isaiah 65, 24 says, and I will answer them before they even call to me. While they are still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. He already knows. He already knows. He already knows, but we're always so busy trying to be God's administrative assistant. Okay, Father, now you forgot about this. This was supposed to be on your calendar last Tuesday. I asked you to go ahead and heal me in this place. I asked you last Tuesday. It was at 3 o'clock. You haven't done that yet. I'm going to go ahead and roll that forward to next Monday at 4. If you could go ahead and heal me next Monday at 4, then everything will be fine. I know you're really busy like doing everything and being everywhere because you're omnipresent, and, 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 and I know that, that you're busy, but I'm going to just roll this over because I know that you would like to give me the desires of... And we want to be his administrative assistant. I know you forgot. I know you forgot. The one that knows all things and is all things that never sleeps or slumbers. We, we tell him, I know you, you skipped over that. But I'm going to go ahead and refresh and put that on your agenda for next Thursday at 3.30. If it's 3.35, that's totally fine with me. Am I in the right church this morning? Because that's me. Is that you? And we try to be his administrative assistant. Lord, I'm just reminding you, because you're faithful, but um, I need that faithfulness to go ahead and manifest um, at about 3.30 today. And Mary is saying, I know that you know there's no wine. And I know you know how to fix it even though it might not be your job. See, she wasn't telling him to inform him. She was telling him to involve him. Mm, There's a difference. She was telling him to involve him. She says, I don't know what he's going to do, but I know who he is. I know who he is. Does anybody at Bethel this morning know who he is? I lift my eyes to the hills from where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I know who he is. He is way maker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That's who he is. He makes a way where there is no way. He is provision. He is healer. I know who he is. I may not know how it's going to manifest in my life, but I know who he is. I know who he is. In verse 4, and Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, let's just talk about this, ladies. He begins this 
passage of scripture with woman. Woman. Now, if I were to give you kind of a, a little sidebar mini message, gentlemen, I would probably suggest not to call your wife, your mother, your daughter, your coworker, you know, woman. Right? I mean, I mean, that's just a little side. Take that however you want, you know. If you feel to, I mean, that, that's totally fine. Just that's just a little extra. That just, I just brought that in, just extra. Just, but but we might not want to say, woman, what does that have to do with me? Just maybe not. I don't know. Just just maybe not. Wouldn't wouldn't recommend that. Uh, and because you know Jesus is talking about the cross. But Mary is saying, I need you to do something right now. See, is there anybody in here today that says, God, I, I really would like for you to do something right now. Yes, I know I'm going to heaven. And yes, I know that my sins are washed away. I am Holy Ghost filled. I speak in shut up, tongues. But, uh, you know, I would love if you could make it happen sometime real soon, Jesus. She's saying, I'm not talking about the cross. I'm talking about a right here, right now situation. And, you know, I, I really love Mary's response. Because, you know, she doesn't argue. She doesn't beg. In fact, she doesn't even talk to Jesus anymore. She has this dialogue. He, she says, can you do something? He says, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And, and she looks at him. And she had to be thinking something like, I carried you. I changed your diapers. Mm -hmm. I got the switch off the tree when you needed it. Mm-hmm. Even when you were big and bad and you got left and we went off and you were in the temple and we came back and you had the nerve to tell us I was doing my father's business. I carried you. Mm -hmm. And as this dialogue is happening, because she had to be thinking, I'm still your mama. She doesn't say anything back to him. She immediately turns to the servants and she says, do whatever he tells you to do. Wow. Mary's bad. Mary is bad. She didn't say another word to him. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, she turns from Jesus, turns to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you to do. And then she says, I'm out. She leaves. How about that for confidence? How about that for knowing that you know, that you know, that you know, he's going to do something. I don't even have to ask him again. And God is saying, Bethel Christian, whatever you've been worried about, make your declaration and walk away. 
make your declaration and walk away. I don't have to address this anymore. I'm going to decree a thing and it shall be established according to Job. And then I'm going to walk away. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to speak the word. And then I'm going to walk in faith knowing that it will accomplish the very thing that God's word has sent for it to accomplish and it will not return to him void as long as it aligns itself with his word. Amen? Little caveat, little asterisk, as long as it. Amen? And she said, do whatever he tells you to do. What made her say that? What made her say that? He never said he was going to do anything. In fact, the last thing he said was, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. What made her say, do whatever he tells you? Hmm. He also didn't say anything to the servants. So why is she going to the servants and saying, do whatever he tells you to do? Hmm. I wonder if Mary maybe had... Enough to be, faith to believe that if I ask and it lines up with your word and it lines up with my purpose and it lines up with what I am called to be in my destiny, that you might just do it. She knew this wasn't my party. She knew that she didn't even know the wedding planner and she didn't invite anybody herself, but this one thing she did know. If I start moving, if I take a step in faith, if I walk in obedience, if I decree a thing, then God is faithful and just. He is faithful and just. Mary understood that if God is going to do something in the earth, he's going to do it through me. If God is going to do something in the earth, he's going to do it through you. See, he releases his principles, he releases his, his will out of the heavenlies, and then we reach up and align with it by your stripes. I am healed. I'm aligning myself to that which has been spoken out of the portals of heaven, and then I sit back and I wait for it to manifest. Mm -hmm. He's going to do it through you and me. Tell your neighbor. He already knows. He already knows. He already knows. In verse 5, it says, do whatever he tells you. See, those servants had no idea what Jesus was going to tell them to do. And often we have no idea what his response is going to be. Right? The Bible just says, ask, and it shall be given. But it doesn't say how long between the ask and the given. When we read this passage of scripture, it makes it seem like it was immediate. And it could have been, but we don't know. It doesn't say, and immediately. This is real critical here. Well, Pastor Lisha, I've been asking and I've been praying and, you know, hallelujah, thanks for coming today. Our time is not the Lord's time. Our thoughts are not the Lord's thoughts. His thoughts are above my thoughts. His ways are above my ways. Who can comprehend the mind of Christ? And it does not say how long between the ask and the given. 
I'm, tell, I'm, I'm here to tell somebody that ask, and until Jesus speaks, do what you know to do. Do what you know to do. So Mary says, do whatever he tells you. And until Jesus told them to get the six pots, I guarantee you they continued to just be about their business. We don't know how long it was. And that's a very critical component to this story. Mary just told the staff, get ready. Get ready. He already knows. Get ready. Bethel, get ready. He already knows. Get ready. Wherever you are in your situation, he all, get ready. She just said, get, get, get your stuff in order. He, he, he's going to be talking to you. When, when he comes, be ready. She didn't say in 10 minutes. She didn't say in three days. Mm. He already knows. And verse 6 says, there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. That's a whole other message. Because see, when you stick close to God, when you are constantly in the presence of God, when the miracles happen, you're not surprised. They already knew where the water had come from. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. Here's what I want you to see. He didn't let the wine run out to embarrass anybody. He let the wine run out so that he could give them something better. And just when we think that God has forgotten or forsaken or has not moved fast enough or has not healed quick enough or has not answered the prayer fast enough. God is saying, there, there. I am a God that goes from glory to glory to glory. Everything I do gets better. He wanted to give them something better, and this new wine tasted better than the initial wine or the wine that should be inferior three days in. They said, fill up, or he said, fill up those six water pots containing 20 or 30 gallons. Now, that would make anywhere from like 120 to 180 gallons of wine. That is a thousand bottles of wine. Because I serve a more than enough God. I serve a God that is the God of the harvest. I serve a God that is plentiful. I serve a God that never uh, gives me just enough. He presses it down. He shakes it together and it runs over. He is the God of the harvest. More than enough. He is a more than enough God. And Leviticus 26.10 says, And you will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to move it out and make room for the new. Oh, yeah. 
and you will still be eating last year's harvest when you have to move it out and make room for the new. Bethel, God is saying, make room for the new. I already know what you need. Make room for the new. I already know what you need. I know tomorrow, what today, what you will need tomorrow. I know what you will need next week and next month. Make room for the new. I already know what you need. And very often, God uses what's common and close. There were six pots. Those pots were common. And those pots were close. And very often, we are looking all to and fro trying to find Let God look to and fro trying to find somebody that he might use. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve him and look for what's common and close so that he might use it to bless me. Yes, he will make it get better because he is a God of overflow. He goes from glory to glory and he already knows. And so Cynthia finished that massage And when she finished the massage, and and let me back up just a little bit. As as she was doing the massage, I believe, and I can't confirm this, because when you're getting a massage, your eyes are supposed to be closed, right? (laughs) But I believe she was weeping as she was giving me the massage, which made me even more compassionate. And I was like, Father, what is going on? Now, I will say this. Cynthia had identity problems, if we all know what I mean by that. She had identity issues. And so the massage concluded, and she said, I'll be right back. I'm going to get you some water, and I'll be right back. And so I couldn't get dressed fast enough because I couldn't wait to pray for Cynthia. And Cynthia opens the, you know, she opens the door when she comes back, and I said, Cynthia, I said, I was wondering if I might be able to pray with you. And she, she was like, oh, well, okay, she says. I said, Cynthia, I'm a pastor. And I really felt like you needed someone to just stand with you today. I said, do you want to just come in and we can close the door? And so she she comes in and we close the door and she's still kind of big-eyed like, what exactly? You came to get a massage. What are you doing? What am I doing? What's going on? And I said, Cynthia, I want you to know that God sees you. I said, he catches every tear. He already knows what you're going through. And pretty soon tears started falling down Cynthia's face. And the Holy Spirit began to minister to Cynthia. And telling her things that only Cynthia knew. And she began to do the ugly cry. And she's crying so hard and so loud. And I'm thinking, oh gosh, I 
home, nobody comes and knocks on the door and says, what's going on in there? And she's crying, and, and you can just feel the burdens just being lifted, and she's, she's just crumbling, and, and the Spirit of the living God is speaking life to her and ministering life. I said, Cynthia, you will live and not die. You will declare that God is good, that God met you here today, that he's faithful and he's just, that he would send me here for you, not for me, for you, because he sees you and he already knows. He already knows. And so when I got finished praying, she, she was, you know, wiping her face and she said, how did you know all of that stuff? How did you know? This is weird. <laughs> I said, Cynthia, I didn't know. But God already knew. And she said, he knew and, and, and he brought you here because I'm having a crisis of life. And I thought to myself, sure you are. I could tell that. She said, I can't even keep it together. Uh, the only reason I came in is because they said if I didn't, I'd get fired because I've been out so much because I've been dealing, you know, we know. We, we know the story. She said, it took everything that I had to come in today and it took everything I had to even get you to come back and that's what took so long because I kept trying to get myself together. I said, you don't have to say one more thing. You don't have to explain one more thing. I said, I just want you to know God sees you and he loves you so very much. Bethel, God sees you. He sees you. He loves you so very much. And he already knows. He knows whether you've shared it with anybody, whether it's just something that's down in your very spirit, man, whether it's something from years and years ago and you talk to him about it every once in a while, if it's a song that you hear that brings you and takes you back there, if it's the addiction that you're dealing with that maybe only your, your spouse knows about and maybe nobody else knows about it, or maybe it's something that you've just recently stepped into and, and no one knows about it and it's a struggle that, you've, that you're going through, maybe it's pornography, and may, whatever it is, maybe you're struggling in your marriage and you come in here week after week and sit really close to each other and smile at everybody and you leave and you sit in the back seat and the front seat and you sleep in two different rooms. I'm here to tell you, God knows. He knows. It's that job that you've been struggling with week after week after week and it takes everything that you have to get up and go every day and you hate it with every fiber of your being and you're saying, God, how much more of this do I have to take? Or maybe it's that prodigal child that, that you've been praying for and you've been, been in the closet just, just fasting and praying and believing for and you're not seeing anything happen and God is saying, I owe ready no I see you nothing is a surprise 
I'm not moved by it. In fact, before that child left, before that child got hooked on drugs, before you had that child, I knew this season of your life would come. I'm not surprised. I already I already know. I'm not phased at gas prices and inflation. I wasn't phased when COVID happened. I'm an all-knowing God. I know all things. I am the end and I am the beginning. I already know. I already know. And he's saying, make room for the new. Make room for the new. While you're still feasting on what you're feasting. While you're still walking through this season. While you're still dealing with whatever you're dealing with. God is saying, make room for the new. Make room for the new. Hear the voice of God. Don't hear Alicia Hart in this place this morning. God is saying, make room for the new. I'm not surprised. I'm not moved. I already know. Just follow. Follow me. I will make a way where there is no way. I will make rivers in the desert. That's the kind of God that I am. I'm faithful. I'm faithful. I'm faithful. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness. Lord, unto me. Let's sing that again. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning. Great is thy faith. Great is, great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Spirit of the living God, thank you. Thank you for reminding us who you are. Thank you for taking a simple passage of scripture that we've heard year after year. 
We've heard since we were mere babes and we drank of milk. Thank you for reminding us that in the midst of that, you're God. In the midst of that, you're never surprised. In the midst of that, you can take what is lacking and bring fullness. You could do a new thing. Behold, I will do a new thing. Bethel, shall you not know it, Isaiah says. I will do a new thing. He says, I'm faithful and I already know. Amen. Bless you, man and woman of God. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. My chains are gone. Has ransomed me. Sing it. And like a his mercy on Sing it one more time. My chains are gone. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my God, my Savior. Sing it. My chains are gone. My chains are chains are been set free. You say, wow. 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 How she took a, that scripture we've read and preached from. I'm going to tell you, I preached from that scripture, but I didn't get all that stuff out of there. I'm telling you right now. You got a lot of stuff out of there, but that was good. Would you praise God? Would you praise God? Woo! She is attending Duke University. Came all the way from Iowa. Iowa, just to. I'm sorry, Omaha. I don't know where she's from, but I know she's here, and you know, I do know that. Wow. And uh, you got one more year, or 
And so you'll be graduated in May, cap and gown, doctor. So the next time we introduce you, it's got to be doctor at least. Duke all A's. Would you thank God for that? That is, that, I mean, when you go to Duke University and get all A's, that's a wow, wow. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for coming. It's so good to have everyone, especially our guests. As you know, Brother Dan's already mentioned it. We have a picnic. It's at the Eno, but it's at the end of Coal Mill Road. There's a big, 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 big shelter down there. You're invited. My wife has got some good chicken salad. Woo! And she's made.